everyone, welcome to Be Cubed, a collaboration podcast between Princeton Insights and The Daily Princetonian. From The Prince, my name is Noelle Kim. Today's episode is in honor of The Prince's special issue about who runs Princeton. For this episode, we wanted to highlight the work that STEM TAs do for their students. We interviewed three STEM TAs in chemistry, computer science, and mathematics to get an idea of how TAs balance their TA job with their research. Enjoy. Hey everyone, my name is Sana and I'm sitting here with Rish Raghu. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Excited to be here. So if you'd like, you could start off by introducing yourself, what you're studying, and what class you TA. Yeah, so I'm a second year master's student here in the computer science department. I'm mostly interested in computational biology. Uh, I also did my undergrad here, by the way, and currently I'm TA in Coast 126. But during my past two semesters here, I've also TA'd. Uh, Coast 226, as well as Coast 343. Awesome. So that answers my next question, actually, about how long you've been TAing. But I guess one question I have for you is, like, what are some struggles that you've faced being a TA, and what are some, like, rewarding components of it? Sure, yeah. So I guess I'll, I'll start with rewards. Um, I'll say, so the first class I TAed was Coast 226. Um, and as I said, I did my undergrad here, and actually coming in as a freshman here. I knew I was BSc, but I really thought I didn't want to do Coast. But after taking 226, that really changed my mind. I really loved the act of programming, uh, and I really saw how applicable COAST would be to other fields. And so I ended up majoring in COAST because of 226. And so as a result, I think it was really rewarding for me to be able to, you know, four or five years later, teach that same course. And, you know, in my experience teaching, like, you know, there are a lot of students who are sort of in a similar position, maybe coming in with maybe less background in computer science or maybe not so interested in computer science, but over the course of the semester, there are really some students who you can connect with and help out a lot, who end up you know, growing a lot, both in terms of their skill set in codes as well as um, their interests. So I think that's really rewarding to look at, having sort of been through it myself. Um, struggles, I think, you know, especially with intro courses, because I teach intro courses, like there's just such a wide range of uh, backgrounds that people come in with. Um, a lot of people have been coding for years in high school. Other people have no experience at all. So part of the challenge, I think, is being able to run your precepts in a way where you can connect with both those types of students. And I think the other challenge is also, you know, as a master's student, like we do have other responsibilities, right, in terms of classes and research. And so being able to balance all, all those things is also something that I have to work at. But yeah, I'm happy to talk about any of those more in depth. Yeah, I'd, I'd love for you to talk actually about you know, like how you were able to balance like your responsibilities being a TA with, you know, doing your research and like maintaining your commitments outside of being a TA. Yeah, yeah. So I think on a practical level, I think it's just part of it's just setting aside like schedule time for each, right? I think both research and teaching are things that you sort of have to potentially work on every day and can take up a lot of headspace. And so um, part of it is just somewhat creating a regular schedule of saying, okay, like these days are like these times, like I'm just going to like focus on my research and, you know, not look at the other stuff or vice versa, right? I'm just going to prepare for my teaching responsibilities and sort of put the other things aside. But I also think mentally it helps to, it helped me to sort of shift my mindset. Um, instead of thinking about teaching as something that's like orthogonal to my research responsibilities, 
instead thinking of it as like just part of my academic training, right? First of all, in terms of like just giving back to the academic community that that built me up over the years. Um, but also like you do learn so many skills teaching, right? Like the uh, leading a precept or like doing office hours even like teaches you how to be a better science communicator. You know, even th- like simple things like grading uh, can teach you about you know, how to give effective feedback. And so all of those things are like really useful skills. And so I think, yeah, just, just thinking of it as, as a part of, of the overall like education process. Yeah. Yeah, that's so awesome. And I love also hearing about the fact that like that part about giving back is so important. And like, it's awesome to see that not only you're helping students like learn and grow as co-students, but you're also yourself learning from the experience. And I guess like to segue on to my next question is like, do you think being a TA has modified or changed any future goals? Like, do you have like, for example, a goal of being a mentor or a professor in the future? Or is it more so like a point in your life where you're gaining a lot of life skills for the future, but not necessarily like looking for a teaching role long term? Yeah, that's a really good question. I think, to be honest, I'm not yeah, still completely sure what my, my future goals are. I will say I think it's it's made me more comfortable in team settings. So I think that obviously was is applicable wherever you go, but I think it has made me more open to academia. I don't want to say necessarily that uh, that's where I want to go, but it does seem to be like rewarding to, to either like teach a class and have a set of students, or even if you're just like doing research, like, um, like having your own lab and then mentoring students in that regard by running your own group. All of do do seem to be very rewarding paths, and so yeah. While I'm not, yeah, exactly sure where I'll go, I'm definitely more open to some sort of teaching or, or mentoring responsibilities down the line. Awesome, and then so B Cube, which is this podcast, is a lot of times more of a research focused um, podcast. This is a special episode where we're like looking at you know, people who build Princeton or who make Princeton, Princeton. And like TAs are such an integral and underrated part of that, that we really want to highlight that here. But I would also like to open up the opportunity for you to talk about, you know, what your research topic is, like what you're specifically looking for, et cetera, if you'd like to. Sure. Yeah. Um, So I work with uh, Ellen Zhang uh, in the computer science department. Um, So our lab is broadly focused on applying machine learning methods towards problems in structural biology. So the physical structures of molecules, proteins, uh, cells. Um, Specifically right now, we focus on uh, cryo-electron imaging. So there's a technique called cryo-electron microscopy. So if there's some protein that I'm interested in, I can take a purified sample of that protein, uh, freeze it, and image it under an electron microscope to get out hundreds or thousands or millions of 2D images of that protein. More recently, there's also like an analogous method you can use to image entire like sections of cells. Uh, But what our lab mainly does is develop tools to go from all those 2D images of proteins to their 3D structures. Um, And in fact, going beyond that and and answering other structural questions like, uh, you know, how, how does this protein, does the protein exist in different sort of states? Are there domains of the protein that like move around and how do those domains move around? You know, how, what proteins interact with each other? So generally like any sort of question you can think of that's sort of like structural in nature um, about biological molecules we're interested in. My research specifically is on segmentation. So basically if you have one of these like 3D reconstructions of a cell, for example, we might be interested in picking out like, you know, each membrane or like each structure or organelle within that cell. And right now, this is still like a very 
labor-intensive process. Like some labs will do it manually. Like they'll sit there going image by image, like circling each one. There are like other automated tools, but they're still like very semi-automated. So you still have to like give it a lot of like human input. Um, and they don't, those models don't like generalize well between different images since every cell is so different. So I mainly work on like sort of generalizable models for um, picking out these structures in, in yeah, biological images. Awesome. That's really cool. But I guess before I get to my last question, is there anything I missed or anything that you also want to include um, about your research, about being a TA? Um, I think that that covers most of it. I think uh, my only thing would be like, yeah, like for anyone who who uh, is interested in research or TAing, like Princeton has a lot of opportunities to get involved with that, like very early on in your career, uh, you know, even as a first or second year. So um yeah definitely get involved if you're interested yeah and I think that touches on my last question a little bit but like what advice would you give like other grad students who are TAing or postdocs who are TAing slash what advice do you give to your students or just students in general who let's say are like struggling in a class or who feel intimidated like intimidated to go to office hours or to a TA yeah, yeah. I think the advice to students is that like, uh, they're like everyone wants you to succeed. I think, especially with like intro course classes, there's just so many um, support resources, right? Like between TAs and undergrad lab TAs and McGraw. Like, they, there's everyone wants you to succeed, and like, um, like all of us, even even those of us who are grad student TAs, have also sort of been through that process. We've also been undergrads and. Um, and so, yeah, it can be daunting when people come in at different experience levels, but just understanding that, like, I don't know, everyone wants you to succeed and, like, um, yeah, should, just shouldn't be scared to reach out for help. Um, and, yeah, I guess on the grad student level, on the TA level, just, I guess, even if you're research focused, just, like, embracing it, right? Like, you'll have all your life to do research. Um, but I think it's a valuable experience teaching, and so just embracing that. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Rish, for joining us today. I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us. And I've learned a lot from like just talking with you about like being a TA and everything. So thank you so much for like joining. Yeah, this is really fun. Thank you for having me. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Brains, Black Holes and Beyond. From The Prince, my name is Noelle. Today I'm here with Ben Zenker, a senior in the mathematics department from New York City. In the past, Ben has been a UCA, an undergraduate course assistant for MAT216 and MAT218, two math courses that are generally taken by first-year students. Additionally, Ben is currently a UCA for MAT377. Outside of academics, Ben enjoys spending time playing sports. Fun fact, he was a president of the club baseball team here on campus. Welcome to the show, Ben. Thank you so much. I'm really excited to be here. Great, so to get us started, could you tell us about your interests in math and maybe a little bit about some of the projects you've worked on? Yeah, so like freshman, sophomore year, I took a lot of different courses in the math department. Um, started off with the intro sequence of math 216, 218, which is what a lot of first year students take. Then after that, I took really just a broad range of courses, but I enjoyed all of them. It took me a second to find out where my interests were. I took this amazing course by spring of sophomore year under Manjul Margava, who's a Fields medalist, which if you guys don't know, is like the Nobel Prize of math. Um, and he taught a course on quadratic forms. It was a number theory course. So it, it's all about 
studying like the natural numbers, one, two, three, four, five, and how they relate to each other, how primes work. Um, if you get, if you look at bigger and bigger numbers, like how many of them are primes? Um, and he taught this course about quadratic forms, which is something related to number theory. And it was so well taught. It, it, it talked about so many different areas of number theory. And it was, I think, the deepest I've ever engaged with a math course before. Um, so it really piqued my interest. Since then, this is my third time taking a number theory course. My, one of my junior seminars was also on number theory. Um, and I hope that's what I'm gonna write my thesis about. All right, great. Thanks so much for that response. Next, could you briefly describe some of the main responsibilities as a UCA, both inside and outside of the classroom? Yeah, so as I mentioned before, kind of I really enjoy these under uh, freshman, sophomore intro, intro classes. Um, and because of that, I wanted to stay engaged with them, stay engaged with the new math majors that were coming in. So one of the ways to do that is to become a UCA and help these students through their problem sets, through conceptual understanding of whatever they're learning in the classroom. The way the role is, is we're supposed to hold office hours two or three times a week. And that's both to like talk about the material with the students and also to help them through their problem sets. These problem sets are brutal. The problem sets you get in Math 216 and 218 are brutal. There's one classic story about the person who wrote the textbook for this. Um, his name's Robert Gunning. He still walks around Fine Hall sometimes. He's 92 years old, maybe. Somebody went to his classroom one day. He was teaching this course four years ago. Somebody went to his classroom. They were like, do you have any idea? Like, can you help out with a hint to solve question seven? He looked at it for a second. He was like, I don't know. He was the one who wrote the textbook. So it's a hard process to like lead students to the right answer when the right answer is a really far distance away. So that's essentially what our role is. All right. So I know you already touched upon possibly some of the difficulties, but could you talk a little bit more about some of these difficulties that come with being a UCA? As I mentioned, the problems are hard and the material you learn sometimes in some of these classes, you learn some material that, that gets used over and over again in, in future math courses and that stuff like sure you can be really good at but the stuff that like only gets taught once naturally you're going to forget it. or you might remember the big picture but the technical details are totally lost on you and that's what matters in solving these questions so you have to take a lot of time to go back through and really re-understand the material that was taught the second thing is there, there's a little bit of a weird dynamic between UCAs and their involvement in the course. UCAs don't go to lecture, we're not TAs, we don't hold precept or anything like that. So our main focus is, is these office hours and that's, that's our only involvement in the course. But what that means is that like, we don't really get to see how the material is taught. Teacher could have changed since we took it. Um, and also we're not, we didn't grade for the course. So a lot of the time students would come to me kind of being like, is this proof rigorous enough? Like, how would you want me to format this? I don't know. Like, I can't answer any of those questions. I'm not a grader, so I, I would try and give them my best impression. But at the end of the day, like, I have like a very limited kind of skill set that can be offered to these students. I can I can help them with the concepts. I can help them with some of like the main ideas on the PSAT problems. But I, I can't really answer. Oh, how did the professor? What did the professor mean when they said this in lecture? Um, or like, what's the best way to, to format my problem set? Okay, so thank you so much for telling us about some of the demanding responsibilities that come with being a UCA, but it does seem that you get to meet a lot of different students in the course, so I did want to end us off by asking what has been one of the most memorable encounters you've had with other students and overall just the best part of being a UCA? Yeah, I guess for the past two minutes I've talked about all the things that suck about being a UCA, but on the whole it's been an incredible experience, that's why I keep doing it. I really wanted to give back and to enhance the experience that, that 
first years get when they're coming into the math department and also get close to them. Um, it's a really close community. There's only about 25 math majors a year. Um, so you can pretty much know everybody that's, a, or know like 90% of the people that are a math major. That's one of my favorite parts about being, uh, being a UCA. Just like a few things that we've done. Um, the people in, the, in 216 held like an assassin's game and it was it was a month-long thing and it was brutal like everybody was paranoid like, like all the ucas were in it as well and it was, it was it was a blast though it was a great time and we also kind of like do fun kahoot sessions right before finals and midterms um a to like try and help the students get the material better but also b just to like have fun and to like really really a bit of the stress so those things are kind of the best part of the job right like you get to like give back a little bit like like make new relationships with these people that are going to be like I don't know, in the same classes as you in a year or two and have fun. It genuinely is a, it's a fun job. That's wonderful. I feel like we got to learn so much more about the mathematics department here. Um, so thank you so much for your time, Ben, and best of luck with all your work. Thank you for having me. Hello, my name is Jessica Jin. I'm a third year graduate student in the CBE department, which is Chemical and Biological Engineering. My research here is in chemistry with Professor William Jacobs in theoretical chemistry. Um, and so we understand that you've been a TA. So what kind of classes have you TA'd for in the past? Yeah, so my first teaing experience at Princeton was in 2022 fall with Chem 201 um, with Dr. Hecht. And the following spring, I then TA'd Chem or CBE 246. Um, yeah, so uh, as you said, you were a grad student. Uh, what kind of research do you primarily do here at Princeton? My research group here is one of the theoretical chemistry groups at Princeton, and so we use a combination of theory and computer simulation to study how um, molecules, and in particular biomolecules, self-organize, so how they self-assemble in cells. Yeah, it's a really fascinating and challenging thing to study because in the cell, there are a lot of biomolecules that are involved in the process of self-organization, and we don't have clear-cut theories, equilibrium thermodynamic theories that can tell us what's going to happen. So so basically our main philosophy in our, in our research is to build generalizable models that can make things as simple as possible, but, but not simpler than that. So one fascinating area that I've been researching is, is what I'll call the social lives or social dynamics of, of a particular class of biomolecules called intrinsically disordered proteins. These intrinsically disordered proteins, which make up about a third of the human proteome, actually kind of look more like spaghetti. So they're um, disordered in that sense, and the unique feature is that this disorderedness allows them to interact with a lot of other biomolecules. What we found in experiment is that they like to form these cliques where some IDPs are in and some are out. And so that's where the challenge comes in. We want to capture the complex social dynamics of these thousands of different disordered proteins and cells in the way that Einstein said famously to make everything as simple as possible, but not simpler. Very cool. Wow. No, very interesting stuff, um, especially with, you know, definitely a lot of overlap with Chem 201 and 202 that we can definitely see. Um, so, yeah, and to sort of elaborate on your experience as a TA here, how has that been going? Um, how do you balance your own research, which you obviously seem very passionate about, um, as well as teaching? 
Yeah, actually, I'm right now just focused on research because I kind of finished my two semesters of TA duties oh, um, last year. But mm -hmm. um, I think TAing was a really incredible experience. You know, it was my first time TAing in the fall, and I, I kind of remember just like two weeks before I was TAing and I was kind of assigned this Chem 201 um, assignment. And it, to be honest, I was like not really sure what to expect. And I was kind of not looking forward to it because I, I know if I should say this, but I asked around, you know, grad students and their experiences with, with Gen Chem and they're just like rolling their eyes, like, you know, like, oh, freshman. <laughs> and like, and if you ask like undergrads or look at the reviews, it's like, uh, it's like Gen Chem, <laughs> you know, so like the, the, this, this sort of like, made me nervous but then I just remember like going into my first precept and I like totally fell in love with <laughs> DAing and I'd say overall a really fantastic experience especially I, I just want to highlight like Gen Chem itself is like such a wonderful course because you know you think it's basic and, and I was I just remember going to my first day of lecture with Dr. Hecht and I, I was sitting in and I was kind of expecting to just here, like sort of a rehearsed or like some rehashed, you know, set of static information that I had learned like years ago in Gen Chem when I sat in. I, like, anyways, I'm, I'm kind of old now, but uh, years ago when, when I was a freshman. But I was pretty amazed that when, like, we were talking about like kind of the early biggest hits of Gen Chem, which like the, the Tom experiments, like Rutherford and, um, you know, JJ Thompson and, and, and these, these big names. And, and as I was, sort of hearing about the experiments again, and I was mentally revisiting, I, I just kind of had a realization of how, how much deeper my analytical and um, synthetical thinking had gotten just through years of academic and scientific training. And it was really cool because I, the way I was processing what I was hearing was just on a totally different level, of course, than what I had done like just years ago. And so I kind of learned that, I mean, even as I'm, I don't really like to use the word teaching because it kind of puts me on the, <laughs> it makes me seem like I'm in a position that I kind of just know it all or kind of just, um, I mean, I'm on a different level or something than, than students, but I kind of like saying um, I'm working with students just because it's, really is like where I'm kind of at because when I'm hearing these lectures I just realize I can't ever like fully learn Gen Chem. I'm, I'm always going deeper, getting another perspective or just getting more insight from each kind of layer of learning that I can go into and so that's what made it really wonderful but I'd say the highlight maybe was just getting students questions because students are curious and it just it really makes my day to get these interesting questions that can sometimes be, especially in, in the context of general chemistry, it can be deceivingly simple where, you know, it's like that that's a simple question. You're just, you're asking something about what you see everyday macroscopic phenomena, but when you get into the microscopic origins, um, things are more complex or, or more uh, not as clean cut. And it's, it's just so fun to think deeply about it and then, and then try to like Actually articulate that into words and, constant, and and be able to like communicate that clearly to students and I think that was probably the, the most fun thing about TAing and, and of course I won't go too much into the CBE 246 which is chemical engineering thermodynamics but I mean it's, it's a different course it's it's a it's a huge step up in terms of the level of rigor and abstraction that students kind of need to think clearly in a thermodynamic framework but it's it has its own fun and, and beauty especially in, in 
the mathematical um, elegance with all the partial derivatives that you're working with. But I think the experience of teeing that is is also very different because you know you're trying to distill um, the, this complex math into something that you can actually sort of connect to in an intuitive way, and and that's a big challenge to not kind of rely on the math as a crutch and say like, well, the answer is like right here in point of the partial derivatives, but actually, uh, you know, explain in, in, in concepts and in words and in English. And so, yeah, but, but overall, both were, were really fantastic experiences. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm so glad that, you know, you were able to come out of that experience feeling a lot more, I guess, fulfilled and um, yeah, I mean, Chem 201, Gen Chem is definitely one of those classes that a lot of people, a lot of students here at Princeton end up taking. And it is daunting. Um, and it does seem, you know, kind of, you know, uh, pretty run of the mill and simple, just uh, Gen Chem, just got to get through those concepts. But um, there are so many different layers of complexity to it. And I think that also speaks a lot to just, you know, Princeton as an ecosystem in general, we think everything works a certain way and how classes are run or how, you know, different functions or events are held. But, you know, it's once you really get into the meat of it, you know, there's so many different intricacies and nuances um, that I'm sure like you as a TA have um, definitely explored with, you know, students' different curiosities or problems and whatnot. But yeah, no, very cool. Um, And I guess to end things off, has being a TA shaped your goals or aspirations for the future? Or, um, yeah, what does that kind of look like for you? Yeah, absolutely. I, I do miss TAing this semester, although I, I do have more time for research. But I I definitely think that it has shaped my goals for the future because it just kind of, I kind of just fell in love with it. And it's like now a big passion of mine to, to work with students. And I think that you know, four years at Princeton or wherever you are goes by really fast, but at the same time, it can make a big difference on you. You know, the classes you take and the professors and maybe the people you meet can really make a big impact. And so I think if I get the opportunity again in the future to work with students and maybe get to make a positive impact on their academic journeys, I think that would be really wonderful. Yeah, amazing. Thanks so much. Absolutely. Thank you for, <laughs> thank you for this chat. Yeah. This episode of B-Cube was hosted by Sana Aldubosh, Noel Kim, and Lena Kim. Sound engineered by Sana Aldubosh and Noel Kim and produced under the 147th board of The Prince. To see more content about who runs Princeton, visit the Daily Princetonian's website linked in the description. From The Prince, my name is Noel Kim. Have a wonderful day.